This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. What I want to help parents do is to actually strive a little bit less, to have more ease and things like that, because that's one of the major ways that we can be more present with our kids is to just practice that, practice ease, practice being present, practice relaxing into the present moment. And that's an incredibly positive thing for you to do for you and your kids is to not strive so much and enjoy your life more. Welcome to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan. This show is about making the world a more loving, accepting, and compassionate place, one parent, one person, and one child at a time. The key to raising healthy and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives while striving to be the best versions of ourselves each day. No matter who you are or where you came from, with increased awareness, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint for your children, your family, and all those you care about while living your own life to the fullest. Today's show is Raising Good Humans Every Day with Hunter Clark Fields. Hunter is a mindfulness mentor, Mindful Mama podcast host, global speaker, number one best-selling author of Raising Good Humans, mindfulness meditation teacher, and creator of the Mindful Parenting Course and Teacher Training. And, 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 she is the author of her very new book, Raising Good Humans Every Day, 50 Simple Ways to Press Pause, Stay Present, and Connect with Your Kids. Hunter has over 20 years of experience in meditation and yoga practices and has taught mindfulness to thousands worldwide. She presents on parenting, is a certified teacher of parent effectiveness training, and helps moms bring more calm and family cooperation into their daily lives. Hunter is the mother of two active daughters who challenge her every day to hone her craft. Her work has appeared in CNBC Make It, Parade, Motherhood Moment, The Hollywood Digest, ABC Portland, NBC Milwaukee, CBS South Bend, Kansas Public Radio, and many, many podcasts. And interestingly, as part of her own self-care, she loves to do Scottish country dancing. Hunter, <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I love Scottish country dancing. I don't do it, but I love watching it. Actually, I pretend to do it. That's an old joke in our family. Okay, but we move on. I want to tell you congratulations on your latest book. And I loved your first book. And this book, I'm sure by no, by design and no surprise, it was like reading a book of meditations for increased awareness and parenting. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, by design. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. As a podcaster, people send me books, and sometimes I get these like, 
300 page tomes about parenting. And I'm like, what parent ever has time to read this? You know, like I never would. And I mm -hmm. really love books where things like, like daily reminder books or these short things. And so Raising Good Humans Every Day is deliberately designed to have these 50 short chapters. And like, you can finish a chapter in three to four pages and like accomplish something kind of at the end of the day before you go to bed or in the morning when you wake up and it's designed to give parents like a sense of accomplishment and really does like and really distill all those you know all these teachings and things down to like the real essentials in a palatable way that's what i want just to make it easy to learn a lot of stuff and it did it absolutely did that and i um it's funny you should say to feel accomplished because being that podcaster who reads lots of these very big books, it was so refreshing <laughs> to be able to, okay, I'm going to take on numbers one through 10 or one through five right now, or just there's always a nice place to stop and to think, right? Where you're not feeling mm -hmm. like, oh, do I, do I need 10 more pages to get to the end of this chapter? And, you know, I find myself at times like rushing through things. This was like, you could just sit with it and... Mm -hmm time to pause and to really think mm -hmm. about your words because they are um, they are synthesized in a way that it is not overwhelming, which I know is one of your life goals is to help people not feel overwhelmed in their day-to-day -day life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we all go like we, we read the parenting books because we want to be better parents. And we're all like, there's so many parents that are out there who are striving to be better and do better. And that striving in itself can be detrimental, right? Because we're trying too hard. We don't feel like we're mm -hmm. good enough unless we're perfect at doing things perfectly. We know so many things. And, and you know, what I want to help parents do is to actually strive a little bit less to have more ease and things like that, because that's one of the major ways that we can be more present with our kids is to just practice that practice ease, practice being present, practice relaxing into the present moment. And that's an incredibly positive thing for you to do for you and your mm -hmm. kids is to not strive so much and enjoy your life more. <laughs> Sounds so wonderful. That's so wonderful. <laughs> okay, that's yeah, yes. But we're putting that out there for everyone. <laughs> All you wonderful, hardworking parents out there. This is what this show is about. We are going to work on settling in, being present, and non-striving. Now, I love how you open up the book with um, the quote from Hal Runkle, because this is, I think, the first thing that we need to talk about is the pressure that parents have, whether it's social media, whether it's their own internal pressure or culture to do, to be, to raise, to achieve. It's like, it's a total setup. And so the quote is from Hal Runkle, parents feel overstretched, overcommitted, underprepared, and underappreciated. Like, so let's just start there, everyone. Like, right? Like, this is it a lot of the time. It's not always, like, wonderful. And, the, oh, my God, this is the best thing that has ever happened to me. Like, yes, we have those moments. And hopefully in the big picture, we feel that way. But on the day-to-day, moment-to-moment of raising little ones to older ones, it is a really tough job. Yeah, 
I think, and I think the deck is stacked against us, particularly if you live in the United States, you know, where we have zero support for new parents. I know a couple of my, my next door neighbors have a new baby right now, and it's so hard. You're two people in a house with this one. It really, like, it would be so ideal. We did evolve, right, to have a village, to have a bunch of people, and we don't. We have very little support. We have very little safety net, so the jobs are very important, and then there's a lot of stress out there. But then also there's the stress of like, hey, you know that this early period is incredibly important for their development and things like that. And and then B, like you're, you know, you you want to do it right. Of course, you don't want to mess up your kids. And it's it's a setup mm-hmm. for and also the the piece about, you know, this idea that you should enjoy every moment, like every like grandma, you walk by on the street, like enjoy every moment. And I remember right. wanting to like strangle these women. Like, right. are you kidding me? Do you know the kind of stress I'm under yeah. and, and the a pressure to enjoy every moment can be incredibly frustrating. Just the lack of acknowledgement of how hard it is can be really frustrating because you're it's it's all of those things. It's it's a whole intense jumble that could use we could do a lot better in supporting parents, I think. Yes, yes. I paused um at that part of your book when you you uh write about, you know, the 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 older people who say enjoy every minute, enjoy every moment. And I was like, okay, what do I now say to young parents, you know, now that ours are older and I have some gray (laughs) in my beard and my hair. And so I have shifted it to it goes fast. You know, something like just, I want to like, I do want to, I do feel an obligation as, you know, as we know, we don't get the memos Mm -hmm. from our kids. We're, my wife and I were just talking about this with some family, like no one, like our kid doesn't say, I'm not going to sleep with you anymore. Uh, but uh, tomorrow Mm -hmm. I'm never going to sleep with you again. Or actually Mm -hmm. I just letting you know in two weeks, you're never going to read me a story in bed ever again. Or, (laughs) you know, I'm, um, yeah, I'm done holding your hand in public. And in a little while after that, I'm never going to hold your hand. It's like these things happen. And so it's not like enjoy every moment, but when mm-hmm. it does go fast, and, it's, and, and this is about the mindfulness, right? Try to be present to these moments, even when a lot of them are not blissful. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we can't just like turn off, you know, it's like we can't selectively numb our feelings, right? Like if we numb or distract ourselves away from all the bad moments, then we're not going to be able to be present for the good moments. And I describe in one chapter a... Uh, like a scene of like a parent walking through a park with their child and like it can look the exact same way from the outside but in one one scenario you know you're you feel the early spring breeze you feel your child's warm hand and your cool hand they want to go look at a bug you go go together and marvel at this bug together and it's this very enjoyable present simple everyday moment But then for a lot of us, this moment looks like you're worried about, you know, an email that came in, you know, was coming in earlier about your older son, you're caught in rumination, you kind of tug your child along, come on, we got to get going, they want to go see the bug, you say, okay, and you check your phone to see if a new email came in, and you completely blind to the whole thing. And it's just a moment full of stress. And the thing is, is like that we, 
are in this autopilot mode so often. And that, that is, that is the key. You know, I mean, when we, as these older parents, my daughters are 16 and 13 now, and I'm amazed at how fast it feels like Mm -hmm. they were just seven and, you know, five a while ago, just a minute ago. But anyway, it does go so fast. So we want to impart that, but in the way to be there, right. For those moments is to, is to practice really being there. Like we can't be, we can't like stack our to-do list to get to that moment. Like when we're on the vacation and then when we get to that moment, you know, our brains can't settle down. Our attention can't settle down because we've practiced going and going and going and going. We have to practice stopping and being and, bringing our attention here and now, now every day so that then when we get to those moments, we can actually be there, you know, otherwise Mm -hmm. our bread, the habit energy of just the next thing and the next thing and distraction just carries us away, you know, 95% of the time of our life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and you, and you talk about, um, like two main things that we can control. Like we don't have any control over these little people, which we'll talk about soon, um, or a lot of stuff that happens in the world. But we do have a degree of control over our environment. Like you said, like not overstacking, you know, how do we set up our environment, our day, our schedule, and our behavior, all about how we act and react. And with those two main categories, there is a lot of um, empowerment in there about like, cause I think we feel like, Oh, <laughs> like we're just, we have like no control in our life. We're like just blowing in the wind. But I think we can shift that to, we actually can manage the things that we can manage. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to realize, you know, what you have agency over. And it's funny because some of those things, like I remember thinking, wow, I have so little control over myself when my temper was like really bad. You know, it wasn't like Mm -hmm. something I was like, I would really love to scream at my kids. You know, it wasn't something I was signing up for and consciously choosing. Right. So there, yeah. But yeah, we really don't have any control of our kids. They have their own minds and hearts. We see that very, very soon. They are not puppets, you know, and, you know, so what, what do we have control over? And, and how can we expand on those things, right? So if we're modeling, if we're a model for our kids, what do we want to model? And that's, that's really, those are really some, some aha moments for me, like, we're, you know, thinking about, okay, having those mirror moments with our kids. Like I remember when my daughter was my older, my youngest daughter was a baby. My oldest daughter was maybe three or four and the baby just, she knocked down something in the playroom and the older daughter starts barking orders at her. And what did you do? Put that back. And I was like, Oh, wow. That's what I sound like. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and oh, it was yeah. a big wake yeah. up moment for me for yeah. those communication skills. But I was like, okay, this I do have some agency over. I don't, I can't make different words come out of her mouth. But obviously, it's a she's modeling mimicking what's coming out of my mouth. So that's what that's really the place where I have agency to to make change. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You, um, you said, um, in the book, isn't it strange that we're asking our kids to calm down when we can't and so true. Mm -hmm. And I had this flash image of a situation when our oldest was probably seven 
siblings would have been five and three. And she is yelling at one of them. I can't remember. And my wife and I, one or both of us, are yelling at her to stop yelling at them. And she just <laughs> stops and she looks at us and she's like, why are you yelling at me to stop yelling at them? And I remember That's it was brilliant. like bull, right, bullseye, bullseye. I just like stopped. We looked at each other. We're like, oh, we need to regroup. We need to totally regroup. <laughs> Dude, Out of the I've mouths of babes, right? Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. What a great teacher your child was. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. 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 Wake up, parents. What's wrong with you? Totally. <laughs> totally. That's oh. great. But yeah, I mean, a lot of us don't have the child who says that to us so clearly, but it is something, you know, we should all mm -hmm. have that child because it yes. really makes so little sense that we're just our way of trying to, to exercise our agency is by getting louder and scarier and bigger because mm -hmm. that's what was modeled for us. Right. Was right. Parents who got louder and scarier and bigger to make us comply and so that's just like kind of in our, that's a, what I like to call it a habit energy, right? Like it's like, mm -hmm. it's in there <laughs> deep, you know, I know that my default is like, I can hear the threats forming in my brain. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, it's like this, when we realize, when we start to realize, oh, our kids, what they need in the difficult moments is they need to learn right? They need to learn something. <laughs> and mm -hmm. when we are loud and we are scary, what we're doing is scaring them. Mm -hmm. And their stress response, their fight, flight, or freeze stress response gets activated. And so they, a lot of the behaviors that we see that we don't like and don't want are fight, flight, or freeze, yelling, kicking, spitting, hitting, you know, running away, all of these things are fight, flight, or freeze responses. And we know that fight, flight, or freeze cuts off access to the slower processing parts of the brain. So whatever it is we want our kid to learn in that moment, maybe we want our kid mm -hmm. to learn a better way to communicate with their sibling, they're not going to learn it. They're not, you know, we're right. not teaching them anything. We're just modeling mm -hmm. the, the, you know, the more power wins solution. And that's not terribly skillful right. or effective, right? No. And what you said just made me think about, you know, we're here to teach them. Um, and as you write about, disciple, right? Disciple is to teach, not to punish. Um, mm -hmm. uh, or excuse me, a discipline is to teach, not to punish. Disciple is a student. And so I'm thinking about all these parenting moments that we go through where I think a lot of times we're just thinking, I just want them to stop or I just mm. need to get out the door or I just, and when we're talking about mindfulness and being and presence and intentional parenting, conscious parenting, we probably have to stop and think, is this a teaching moment or is this a, I just need to get through this moment. And, and I wonder, mm. you know, your thoughts about, can there be those different kind of moments, which would then you'd hopefully step into different types of purposeful behavior instead of reactivity? Sure. I mean, yeah, of course, there's all these different types of moments. But I think 
the main point that we need to remember as parents is that our reactivity doesn't really help any of those moments, regardless of mm-hmm. what type it is, whether you're just trying to get out the door, whether you're trying to teach anything, it's going to take longer and be more difficult when we're reactive in general, right? I'm not saying there's never an, a moment for parents to use power, right? Like that, there may be those moments, like, you know, that they exist. But us being reactive in general, it just doesn't help any moment because then it cuts off for us. It cuts up access to the slower parts of our brain and we can't be thoughtful. So for instance, say there is a moment of like, I just need to get out the door, right? Mm-hmm. Um, screaming at our kid to get out the door is one way to do it. But then we have the aftermath of the difficulty and the resentment and the loudness and the crying in the car and all of these things that that actually take a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of energy to to handle. Um, Whereas then if we can take that energy and effort and put it into the front end, right? I think a lot of mindful parenting, conscious parenting, it requires us to do a lot of effort in the front end particularly mm-hmm. when our kids are little, when our kids are s- small and, and then we get payoff. Cause actually, you know, I would say for me, parenting has gotten easier and easier as my kids. Have, it's great. I love raising teenagers now. It's, I'm mm-hmm. amazed to be saying this, but anyway, there's, <laughs> we have to invest that energy yeah. in the front end. Yeah. Um, because, you know, then we, if we're trying to get out the door and we can, say, oh, I'm starting to feel so frustrated. I have to go. And that can help lower our reactivity, lower our temperature. And then maybe I might like put a hand on my heart, crouch down and (sighs) okay, okay. I'm feeling reactive. What do I need? What does he need? I need to get out the door. He's upset because of the shoes. Okay. Looks like (laughs) I need to get out the door. Looks like you're upset because of the shoes. And this is like a mindfulness tool. Mindfulness, we call it noting, right? But it's just acknowledging and describing what's happening in the moment. And when when we do that, helps lower the temperature because it's like not all these like alarmist thoughts in our head. It's like, you know, non-judgmental thoughts out in the air between you. (laughs) So so you, you can acknowledge those. What can we do about this situation? And sometimes like this, that kind of thing can take like 30 seconds. It can take, up, you know, maybe two minutes. But um, if we imagine just investing that time and effort into the front end of empathizing with our child, taking the emotional temperature down between ourselves and our kids, it's probably more effective even like with timing to get out the door than it is than the screaming is and even if it took a little yeah. longer it's going to take shorter in the future so it's right. it's kind of an right. investment in the front end and everyone's going to feel better i mean how many more yeah. i had i was on morning drop off um in the elementary school days and it was easier with one than it was with two and especially with three and Oof. you know like the kids get you know the the yelling and impatience getting out the door and then that's what happens in the car because they're dysregulated and then there's drop off and they have their own anxieties or whatever about the day. And then, then there's quiet. And I just remember feeling like, Oh, that felt so bad. Like they're Mm -hmm. dysregulated. You know, I feel guilty. And, um, when I started practicing some of these things, um, trying to practice what I was preaching in my office with my, the parents I was working with, it's amazing how, you, it is flipping the mindset because it feels like 
instead of a lot of people just want to be themselves and them being themselves is not thinking exactly what their child needs and just reacting with how they feel in the moment. And that feels mm. easier. But to your point, it's not easier. <laughs> it actually things get drawn out, emotions run high. And if we can stop and pause and think about the situation, think about the forest or the trees, like what's the big picture here? What's the detail? How do I want this to go? How much time do I have? So what if we're a few minutes late and we all feel good? Like if we can stop to your point, the front loading can make such a huge difference, not in that moment or just a moment or the day, but it's the ripple effect as time goes on. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, we have to get into those our, those moments and realize, like, is this an emergency? That's what our brain wants. Right. You know, our nervous system yeah. wants us to think, like, there is a threat. This is an emergency. And it might be true. Like, being on time to your job may be really incredibly important, right? Mm -hmm. But it's good to take sit back and say, well, what would actually happen? if mm -hmm. I were five minutes late, like, mm -hmm. and to kind of walk yourself back through that and kind of see what that worst case scenario is. Cause yeah, to where our brains are at their worst when we're panicked. So, so if we can yeah. at any way get ourselves out of emergency response mode and into, into a more skillful mode, it's everything's mm -hmm. going to go better. Mm -hmm. So there are those of us who um, come by perfectionism and perfectionistic thinking naturally, raising my hand. And there are the rest of us who I think have um, cultural and social media induced perfectionistic thinking, like just all this pressure about these everyone looking so nice and having these wonderful days and exploration, like, you know, like the presentation. Now, so I'm leading up to Parenthood is messy, and you bring up a wonderful um, example with one of our greatest teachers, Thich Nhat Hanh. And I, mm. no mud, no lotus, no mm. mud, no lotus. So please uh, enlighten us about this wonderful concept. I, I love the concept of no mud, no lotus, and basically it, it comes from the Zen master and and peace activist Thich Nhat Hanh. He was nominated in the 60s for Nobel Peace Prize by Martin Luther King Jr., a real incredible person for bringing mindfulness to the United States and the West. But the, he his teaching was this, that the lotus, which is the you know, beautiful smelling flower, the symbol of enlightenment and joy and compassion, it has to go, there has to be muck, dark, gooey, black, disgusting muck at the bottom of the pond for it to grow and thrive and prosper. And, you know, it's the same, like we could use the analogy of like a garden, right? Like we know if we're gardeners that if you want to have good cucumbers, you need some cow poop and rotten <laughs> vegetables and disgusting, nasty stuff to kind of grow through. And this is kind of this analogy for us. And, and the truth is like we need our difficulties. You know, we're going to have them. We're going to like, it, we just don't get through life without the difficulties, no. the challenges. Mm -hmm. It is hard mm -hmm. to be a conscious human being on this earth. And yes. so you're going to have these challenges. And what do you do with them, right? Do you say, oh, my life is terrible because of these challenges? No. I mean, what you want to do is use them to be your teachers and use that as your compost 
for you to grow a beautiful flower of compassion and understanding for yourself, for other people. I mean, if you had, if you were perfect and you had made no mistakes in your life, you would be an insufferable human being high on your pedestal, judging all of us <laughs> and wondering mm -hmm. what's wrong with all of you. And you would be, your kids would feel terrible because they would be like, I'm a normal human being and my parent is so perfect, right? So yeah, it, it, we need these difficulties. They're inevitable. So instead, you know, can we say, all right, they're my teacher. What am I learning from them? What can I mm -hmm. learn from the things that are hard for me, like my anger? What can I learn from, you know, that that moment where I freaked out in the car at drop off and I yelled mm -hmm. at everybody? Mm -hmm. I can learn. This is the mud that's going to help me have this lotus of compassion where I can learn that I'm going to take more time in the morning. I'm going to take some time to stop and breathe and calm my nervous system before I leave in the morning. I, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to pause in the car and practice taking three deep breaths before I start the engine and leave the driveway just to remind my whole body, mind system that there's not an emergency, you know? So mm -hmm. these are the things that can teach us. And, and I love that. I mean, I want mm -hmm. it on a t-shirt, no mud, no Lotus. It's so helpful. Like we, <laughs> we're Ooh, human. You, we gotta, you know what? Merch. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh mindful mom, like merch right there that I like that. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I like the thought of um, all of the imperfections and the difficulties and things that didn't work, how that is the compost. I really like that concept, the compost, right? That's the compost, the, the fertilizer to help things grow. Mm -hmm. And you talk about there are teachers, our kids are our teachers. And I know for my wife and I, when we became aware at some point that our kids were our greatest teachers, it actually also shifted our mindset from... We need to be in charge. We need to know everything. We're supposed to do things right. You know, like we're supposed to be in control of this chaos. <laughs> it's just, it's like, it's a setup again. Like we, like it's a setup mentality for just distress and inner turmoil and frustration and irritability and reactivity. The mm -hmm. idea that mm -hmm. like they're human beings on their own path here to teach us and we're on our own path as well. And we're just a little farther along in the human experience, but we're all in this together. And this is a whole big mystery. And this is us all growing together. Um, it, there's just something different about that mentality and mindset coming into a situation than the more traditional one. Yeah. I mean, when you give yourself permission to be imperfect, give yourself permission to be human, the oddly enough, like it's kind of weirdly paradoxically helpful. Like it's like the idea of just accepting your humanity, accepting your mistakes, accepting your mud. It, it makes it easier to just relax and be at ease and then use your whole brain and be more present and actually do better, you know, objectively than, than maybe you were when you were trying so hard to be perfect and punishing yourself with mean harsh voice inside your head when you messed up it's it's uh it's paradoxical that that as you strive a little less you you relax and do a little better mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. an important 
awareness for us to have, as you write about, is our triggers. And mm. you can't be a human being raised by other humans uh, in our society and not have one to several triggers. <laughs> so yeah. tell, tell us about how you see triggers and, and how your I- strategies for identifying them and then what to do with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was thinking, I was just, um, uh, talking about this with Gabor Mate, right. Who writes about triggers like that, that are traumas, even these like kind of small T traumas. They're Mm -hmm. like these hurts that were never healed basically. And they kind of just have riding along with us and we all have them, you know, and, and a lot of us say like, you know, I say I've, I've had this normal, pretty happy childhood. And yet I've had these small T traumas. Like I was spanked as a kid and I was, you know, that was scary. And I, and I, mm-hmm. I couldn't talk to anybody about it because the people I wanted to talk to about it were maybe the ones who were doing right. that. Right. And that's very mm-hmm. normal, right? Like that's normalized in our society. So there's a lot of things that, will come up as we come back into this parent-child relationship that we don't, we're not going to realize until we're in it. And um, that's okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it really helps to, again, like take these, take these difficulties and, and understand them. You know, I remember when my temper was really bad and my daughter was like just about two years old and and I would I'd yell at her and I scared her and I remember um, her crying in her room and me crying on the floor outside the hallway and just saying, you know, just feeling like I was a terrible parent and realizing like, okay, well, this is a mess. I'm incapacitated. This is like about the lowest it can get. But what do I need to learn here? What am I going to learn from this moment? I had to look at myself and say, okay, why does, why does when she get you know, why do her big feelings trigger me, right? Why do they make, why do they feel, they feel unacceptable in my body. Like it feels, I can feel that it feels like this is Mm -hmm. so wrong. It's unacceptable. It has to stop, right? Like Mm -hmm. why does it feel like that in my body? So I had to, it really helped to look back into my own childhood and say, oh, this is exactly what happened to me. When I had those big feelings, I got you know, I got hit, right? It was scary. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I learned a really deep in my cells lesson that that was unacceptable. And so there, therefore I'm back in this moment and here it is again. And I could see this like a pattern going back through the generations of my family. And this understanding of it, of just seeing it as this generational pattern, seeing this trigger and having this understanding of it, it helped me to work with it, you know, because we can't work with what we can't see. If we don't look at it, it's this idea of walking with your shadow in front of you. If your shadow is behind you, it's big, it's scary, you're going forward to run away from it, and yet it's already, already there and it's getting bigger and it's frightening you. But if you take your shadow, your trigger, you walk with your shadow in front of you, you're like, okay, it's there. I'm dealing with it. I'm working with it. I'm, I'm working to understand it. And it, it makes it so that then you can start to like engage tools to, to mm-hmm. say, oh, okay, hello, hello, temper, hello, feeling of unacceptableness. It feels mm-hmm 
horrible to be in this moment, but I don't have to scream, you know, so we can work with it then. And, Mm -hmm. and I've done this with mindful parenting. I've had people who say like, you know, like, Oh, this, the, my toddler spilling juice drives me, makes me go off the walls. And, Mm -hmm. and like, we do all these questions to understand how you were parented and how, how you were raised. And she was like, Oh, now I understand it's because appearance was so important to my parents and this idea now of my household being perfect is is this whole thing for me right and she had to like mm-hmm. look back into her child to unhood to uncover that and i think that mm-hmm. that can be really valuable it's not like anything we're like oh please i'd like to like go back look in my childhood we don't want to sign up for that assignment but it's right. much better to carry our own baggage than to pass it on to our kids Yes, indeed. <laughs> it really is. I, you know, I'm, uh, as I'm watching you speak, there's a few things that others can't see. So I want to highlight them. When you were doing the mantra, like I'm in this moment right now, you were sort of closing your eyes and rubbing like just above your um, eyebrows. And then earlier when you were talking about regulating outside the door um, with your child and your hand over your heart. So tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, from a actual movement and regulation, some of these techniques that can help people ground Mm. in these active, reactive moments. Sure. Uh, That's great that, you know, you notice that. I mean, because mindfulness is really about embodiment, has this word mindfulness, right? That's our Western translation, but it really is about embodiment. And it's about the sensations we feel in our body. And those are the things, you know, our feelings, right? Are all the, of these sensations we feel in our body, our stress is like, for me, it's like a tightness in my chest, a funny, weird sensation in my throat and all of that. And as we learn a a part of a mindfulness practice is sitting and looking and, and taking this time for awareness of what am I feeling in my body sensations and then not reacting to them, whatever they are, right? So you may feel tingling in your hands. You may feel tightness in your chest. You may feel pulsing and all these different sensations in your body. And you practice to just be aware of them and not react to them. And, and so then when I find that helpful for when we get into a moment of reactivity, then we can you know, we can't have been through like feeling uncomfortable sensations and we've practiced not reacting them to them. But some of the things like you saw me put a hand to the heart, like that's for me and for a lot of people, that's a very soothing gesture. And so for me, when I'm in a moment where I'm having a hard time, I need some compassion. That's just a very soothing gesture that I can give myself like, you know, that part of myself that's feeling activated. Okay, dear one, you know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm here, right? We can offer that to ourselves because we are, you know, we're like every other mammal. We're like physical human beings and our stress is a physical real response. It's, it's muscles tightening. It's, you know, blood flowing out of our extremities. It's our heart rate racing. So a lot of the things that when we start to notice we're stressed, and a lot of the things that we can do to it are actually through to help us calm down or through the body rather than, you know, we can't think ourselves out of it. Wouldn't that be nice if we could? We'd like to just mm-hmm. be like, I'd like to stop now, but we can't. And so we can use the body to, to help us yeah. bring us back to re- equilibrium. Mm-hmm. I have found that 
helpful as well. Uh, my my internal um, sensation of stress is um, tightening of the chest. Like I, that's my indicator. And when I just put my hand on my chest, just to acknowledge first. And there's something about the acknowledgement and the touching of my hand to that tight spot that I just feel a, a, a little release. And it gives me enough pause mm-hmm. just to be in the moment and sit with it to try to get a little space from it before, yeah. before moving on. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's, I, that. that's the space. Like that, you mm-hmm. know, great psychologist and Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl, and yes. his famous quote, yeah. that's yes. what he talks about. Like there's a space between stimulus and response. And in that space lies our ability to choose. And in our ability to choose is, lies our growth and our freedom. Something like that, right? You, and, you did it. I have it written right here. I was just going to say it. Oh. You, you nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> I did um, it. But yes. Yeah, you did. So, <laughs> so important, right? That That's where the free will is. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dr. Victor Frankel, one of the most impactful books I ever read was Man's Search for Meaning, where that um, probably came from, is if he can have that way of being in the Holocaust, right? Mm-hmm. After, you know, losing his family and seeing so many people perish in such awful circumstances, like, okay, I can get through this moment. <laughs> I, I can get through this yeah. t- tantrum this bad day. And I just think not that anyone's, you know, not to equate our pain and stress to other people, everyone has their own, but it also helps to have that perspective of um, more of an expansive, like role model for us. Yeah, yeah, it helps to put it in that perspective, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yes. I also wanted to um, comment on um, something you talk about, the rules, the, the three overarching rules in your home and tell a quick story. Um, so you said you have three overarching rules, take care of ourselves, take care of each other, and take care of our home. I love that. I love that. And it reminded me when our kids were young, I was off at a conference. My wife was home with our three young kids. Oh, you also, everyone, you you write about how you being um, a highly sensitive person, raising a highly sensitive child. Well, my wife are the same. Our three kids are the same. So um, it's a whole nother level of uh, stuff that we could talk, probably a whole other conversation about that. <laughs> um, and I remember, so I'm at the conference and I'm, 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 didn't know exactly which talk. I, I was very scheduled and all the talks I wanted to go to. And I had this like free period. So I go into this big auditorium. I think it was University of Kansas presenting findings on what makes the happiest families. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. What makes the happiest families? So meanwhile, my wife is home with our three young kids. Um, she had hired a like a home behavior consultant to come in to try to help us make some sense of our loud, melting down, sensitive family. And as I leave, I see on our kitchen window our paper and paper and paper of rule after rule after rule. All these rules that the um, parent coach had come up with. And I remember coming home from work and seeing them one day. I was like, whoa, this is overwhelming. And um, and so anyways, the, the punchline is what made the happiest family were the least amount of rules. 
And, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, okay, we only have 56 rules just in our kitchen alone right now, which is like not working. And what they, what they talked about, and I actually, this is where I want to bring it together because this is my sense from what you're saying. They talked about minimal rules and highlighting family values. So I started mm-hmm. to use that in my work and with my family. And I, I feel like those rules are actually values, right? We take care of mm-hmm. ourselves, we take care of each other, and we take care of our home. And when people are treated with respect and we talk about our family values or these three very important um, rules, it can really make a difference with the, um, the energy of the household, uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think mm-hmm. the potential calmness of a household versus like, you need to follow all these rules. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're talking to, about, like the rules, you know, it, it really points to our expectations, you know, of our kids. Like if our <laughs> expectation is for them to follow all these 56 rules perfectly, we yeah. are going to be miserable no. because it didn't work. Kids- it didn't work. No. <laughs> kids are gonna mess up kids are messy they make mistakes they're loud they you know they're annoying as they go about meeting their needs right like yes so uh so yeah uh, and that's i think an incredibly important thing is like is our expectations right like can we can we expect them to make mistakes? Can we give them permission to make mistakes as we give ourselves permission to make mistakes? Can we mm-hmm. remember that even adults need like a lot of repetition to learn something? I wish it didn't quite take quite as much repetition as, as it has taken in our house to learn how to put <laughs> your backpack away when you come home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Uh, but <laughs> but ultimately I'm glad I'm glad I prioritized a strong relationship with my 13-year-old than yes. like harping on her for her backpack every second of all the time. You know, yes. I've done yes. my share of harping on her, but but at least it's not been every every second of all the time and it's it's yes. okay for her to make some mistakes. <laughs> we uh so our lived experience with three um out of the house, uh, mostly out of the house is no matter how many times you tell them to put away the glasses and pick up the stuff and put the stuff away, it it like only seems to happen when they actually go live on their own and they and they're like, oh my god, my roommates are such a mess. And I it's like there's this transformation that happens. It's it's amazing. Like we just smirk when we it's just it's amazing how um it's sometimes hard to adopt those things in your own home, but but what we're instilling is it, it is going in. It just takes a while to um internalize. It takes some time. Yes. You're making yes. me hopeful, Dr. Dan. Yes. Thank you yes. so much. Yes. Someday it, the back. I know. I think about that. I mean, that that's my mode of perspective right now is like, okay, like someday I'm going to have this like perfectly neat house that's going to yes. be so boring because yes. it's just going to be me and Bill and yes. the animals, right? Yes. Like, and yes. I, I, so I, I have to kind of step back and and say that to myself and remember, you know, that these right now my daughters are mm-hmm. 13 and 16. I've got yes. like maybe two years with them both here in the house, yes. like left. I want them right. to be as great as they can be. I don't want to just be like miserable because 
there are grapes left on the coffee table. Yes. Oh, such a good perspective. And with, um, I will say, the clean house is, it's nice when that happens. And it comes at a cost, like you're saying, right? So clean house minus people minus energy in the home, right? It just, it, it, it flows. It ebbs and flows. Um, and it's wonderful when they return home as well. So mm. um, gosh, it's a, it gets back to the moment, good, right? It's a, Yeah. It's a good argument for... So just as like put in a few, I have a few pieces in the book about sort of simplifying your life. And -hmm. it's a good argument for that, you know, kind of simplifying your stuff. So it's not quite so hard to clean. Like, let's just make it easier to have less chaos. Like that will help us enormously as far as the agency of over our environment, you know? Yes, absolutely. Okay, as we are starting to wind down here, what would you say, because you are wonderful about these little moment-by-moment strategies, starting small, non-striving, what's one thing you'd recommend to our listeners right now if they were just going to try one thing today? I would recommend that you practice pausing. So we... I remember getting the advice from great parent coaches to, and it always started with number one pause. And I'd be like, WTF, how am I <laughs> supposed to do that? Like, this is so yeah. frustrating. You don't understand so what found, she did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't understand. So the way to do this, the secret hack is to practice pausing in the chill moments and in the calm moments. So practice pausing at bedtime, practice pausing before you get in the car and you drive to drop off. Practice pause. If your kid asks you for crackers, just take a breath or two before you respond. And A, it'll help you like be more present and stop like the going, doing, pause in the going, doing mode. And B, it will help you with that pause muscle when you need it in the more difficult times. So I encourage you to practice pausing and then give yourself a lot of grace and compassion when you don't remember to pause later because Mm -hmm. it's okay for you to make a mistake. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And as you also point out in the book, a lot of meditating, whether it's informal or formal, is about being aware that your mind is drifting and pulling yourself back or being aware that you reacted in a way that you would like to do it differently. So just that awareness Mm -hmm. is part of this deal like i mean that is that is you're getting somewhere if you even have the awareness of huh i would have liked to do this differently or i didn't pause long enough before i stepped back in yeah yeah that's like the mindfulness bicep rep is your awareness (laughs) is like and if you can practice doing that awareness with the attitudes of in my of mindfulness are the attitudes of kindness and um and curiosity which is the opposite of judgment and you know harshness right so oh i was like lost in a million places then we can just notice that with kindness and curiosity mm-hmm. isn't that interesting that's your meditation bicep rep Boom. yes like, yes you've done it <laughs> A mentor of mine, you just said what um, was such a gift to me, told me years ago that saying when I was very feeling very self-critical is, hmm, 
interesting I'm feeling like that right now. Mm. And just the, to say interesting in response to noticing, which you spoke of earlier, it just would dissipate some of that mm-hmm. negative, critical energy and feeling, right? Just interesting I'm feeling that way right now. It's non-judgment, but you're yeah, identifying exactly. it. Yeah. 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 And just that in noti- noticing something interrupts the autopilot pattern. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's amazing how powerful mm-hmm. it is. Okay, Hunter, it's time for the parent footprint moment question. Here we go. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, as a parent, or even an awareness of your own parents. And that new awareness had a positive impact on your life, your kids, and or those you love. Well, I remember when my daughter was, uh, when my daughter was little, it was bedtime, like bedtime being like one of the most difficult moments. And <laughs> and she was, you know, it was one of those times where she was getting manic and excited at bedtime and like bouncing around like a tigger around her room. And I was like, I just... I was like so done for the day and I had been starting to put together these mindful parenting rules. So I thankfully remembered sort of the principles that I teach. And I was like, okay, you know, I can't do anything about her right now. I'm going to, I sat myself down on the floor and I did that. I put my hand to the heart and I just said, okay, I'm just going to breathe in and out breathe in and out and I'm going to breathe in like a mountain and breathe out and I feel more solid. Breathing in, I'm like a mountain. Breathing out, I feel solid. And my daughter was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I'm feeling overwhelmed and so I'm just breathing to calm myself down. And she's like, okay, well, whatever. And then she climbed into my lap And then we sat there and we breathed. And in this Mm. beautiful way, by like giving up my effort, giving up me trying to control her and just like focusing on where I did have agency, like myself, then that was what was needed in that moment. Like she needed to feel just like our feelings are, you know, our kids feel our feelings. We feel our kids' feelings. We inter-are with each other. And that's what was needed. And it wasn't like a big strategy for me, but it was like, oh, wow, look at the impact that mm-hmm. this me just taking care of me has yeah. on this moment. And that was really, um, really an aha for me. Yeah. And you were doing it for you. And yet you were modeling it for your daughter. And it, you know, it gets back to this whole idea of, a lot of our parenting stress and pressure is to like do something to or with our kids when in reality, if we're actually focusing on being mindful ourselves, being regulated ourselves, modeling healthy behavior, it that is parenting. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that does transmit down to our kids. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Hunter, thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation today and sharing your wisdom. Your book is full of wisdom, everyone. Raising Good Humans Every Day, 50 Simple Ways to Press Pause, Stay Present, and Connect with Your Kids. 
Tell everyone where they can uh, obviously find this book, find your previous book. You have a summit happening soon. This will be launching just after your summit. Um, I imagine there will still be information that everyone can mm. um, find. Mm. So please let, uh, let us all know. Sure. Um, you can find me online at, at mindfulmamamentor.com. And uh, you can find Raising Good Humans and Raising Good Humans Everywhere books are sold. And we have, yeah, we have an awesome summit that I've been doing with the publisher, New Harbinger, um, where, you know, you can get a couple, get a copy for yourself, get a copy for a friend, get access to this, uh, you know, amazing summit with some of my favorite speakers that I was so honored to get to talk to. And yeah, tell me what you think. I'd love to connect with you if you want to just send me a shout out or whatever. I'm at Instagram at Mindful Mama Mentor. And um, oh, I and see, the Mindful uh, Mama yeah. podcast. Sorry, oh, of course. Gotta mention yeah, yeah, that. Sorry. This is a podcast. Yeah. Come yeah. on over. Oh, yeah. yeah, you just have <laughs> 400 and some odd podcasts for everyone to listen to. You guys, it's, it's a wonderful podcast. <laughs> Definitely go listen to get more of Hunter. Um, and her amazing guests. And I have to say on the forward of your book to have Dr. Shafali um, write the forward. That's, um, I know, someone who I've always admired and respected and a leader in our conscious, mindful parenting space. So um, that was awesome. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Thank you, Shafali. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Please share this episode with everyone who you know will benefit. Thank you for being a part of our community and bringing your loved ones and friends into it. Thank you for your five-star reviews. They make a difference. Do your best to be that person you want your child to become and ask yourself the guiding question. I ask myself each day, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Strummerman, composed and performed by ProTunes. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.